I'm back to let you know I'm going to search for Prince's 1984 piano rehearsals just released after I found them by searching one of my own creatively produced instances. I forget which one. It's on a screencast, but I'll just search for it. I found it on accident at the top of the Google algorithm, probably related to some kind of musical question I had or presentation I had typed. Oh, I also found a really interesting top of the algo couple of news articles related to some joke I made about a particular individual. Funny how these things work sometimes, like AI or search term, and then the compromised nature of the news management algorithm at Google and perception management, boondoggle slash obfuscation of neutral data. Rada dot up dot up rada dot up dot ast dot ast interpretation of errata and data dot up. Like a melted dog at the end of SMDF CTW XDRCFT. Like a melted dog, like a melted clock dot up. What is dot up? One time I saw a fact, uh, wax representation of Salvador Dali, and I had a photograph, I do believe. It may not exist anymore. Oh, circa 1999, Europe, Spain, 1998 perhaps. Gentile, Gregorian. One time, yeah, and after my mother, like, allowed all of my records from my childhood, essentially, to be destroyed by a crackhead, she may have not, she may have not cognizantly then planned to have all of my childish childhood memories and records, re like, destroyed, yet the outcome was then that. Uh, she said, by the way, don't go steal her stuff. Don't go over there. Don't go I said, don't worry, I'm not a thief. I'm just here for the shade. Oh, I, I do admit that briefly a, a thought of like actually going in there and just doing what she told me not to do occurred to me, but I'm not interested in whatever they have. Nor am I interested in having... Hey, it's the books. Well, they're back. Someone took the journal, though. I might even piss on them. I was going to, but... I mean, I was going to piss in your general direction. But the books are here, then. Why would someone throw them over here? The evidence, though. Oh, I just urinated so much. What was I talking about? I think it was in the last recording. Wesley K. Clark Corn Soda Enterprises. Corn syrup. High fructose corn syrup. It's literally one of the four food groups of America nowadays. I mean, it's an emerging, you know, topic of inquiry. Essentially, then, um, he might not, he might not like being referred to as a topic. But how then did this uh, particular man, related to a particular designated, he might just drone bomb me right now. How did? How come Wesley K. Clark, Supreme Allied Commander of NATO? In the same history of uh, the office that is referred to commonly on the internet, then, had the same office as Lyman Lewis Lemnitzer, chief signatory of Operation Northwoods. How then could LLL, as I call him, and maybe some in the truth community might refer to him as well, I mean, what a handy trio of initials then to refer to three names. How could the mentality of LLL be so different than that of WKC, or have things changed in a half-Jewish ethnicity and command over, what was it, before my time, 1990s, Caspian, Black Sea to Europe, pipeline routes, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Serbia, etc. The balkanization of territory then, breaking division, 
allowing for rebelization and or then new pipeline probably or transportation routes conveniently then for new norm maybe natural gas black oil other why then would that all and then the preceding years why would he necessarily be trusted to use rhetoric that was authentic not only that but what what's going on with that guy i mean another question i had related to the last recording was did they use my signals to come and present to me particularly for as i sat if they knew this they'd already knew where i was but as i sat in particular ucla 2015 on an iphone 4 or an iphone 5 swiping left like all day and watching mostly facebook and putting jokes out on facebook and maybe some twitter and selfies making selfies and singing a lot of karaoke upstairs out on the patio which was like my main production that year uh i was really kicked back i was laid back in a chair with some vinyl i had my feet up on a desk i kept my feet clean i tried to keep my shirt and my shorts clean but I relatively blended in and I was retired and I was taking the summer off after like a long, long debacle then of uh, temporary imprisonment, imprisonment, living on the streets and recovering and getting sober. I mean, I had to begin then to just kick back was my ethos then. Question is, did they use all my signals to come and then present eight and a half by 11 advertisements that Wesley K. Clark would be on campus? Or did I find myself amongst the only individuals who were younger than 60, who were not Jewish financiers from Westwood, having an interest in witnessing whatever it was Wesley K. Clark was going to say at Westwood in 2015? Gentile Gregorian. And by the way, now that I think about it, would there be a reference, audio or video, to that particular speech? I don't think it would necessarily authentically, excuse me, not authentically, but absolutely then be off record as it was a publicly accessible situation on a public university, but it may not have been recorded. And they may have asked for no recordings. He also, like, basically, I don't think necessarily advertised his book, but of the book that came out that year, he referred to four particular vectors of threat and i think one was bioterror maybe ebola i think he, he mentioned ebola i think terrorism and maybe racism and one other and i still think that jade helm is the code word for um southern national boundary of united states of america penetration by gladia nato to start and foment fake race war, including James Alex Fields, maybe Christopher Paul Hassan, other fake race war boondoggle slash, not boondoggle, but false signal centric racial strife, perhaps including maybe El Paso shooter, Las Vegas, borderline shooting, we'll see conflag fire, all Jade Helm. Although, since I only guess at what might be seen as a huge domestic operation that was like resisted by many Texans and Alex Jones and whatnot, ostensibly, whatever this con flag and confusion scenario is, I think that if that pictorial representation of Jade Helm with like one clog a shoe is authentic, one person online speculated that the one shoe in the photograph is the technique of trauma producers and a picture of one shoe i don't know if this i didn't literally see this anywhere but charlottesville for example the people being knocked out of the freaking air and one shoe left over it's like a trope for trauma or wartime civil war or other war photographers then ask ask photographers at Reuters if one shoe is like a meme or a trope one shoe one clog at Jade Helm if that's actually true that pictorial representation then and as others have said or as actually I said <laughs> in the last recording these ridiculous acronyms that they use like cloud or like 
So then it's Jade Helm an acronym. Well, I guess that's all actually kind of unimportant to study the effects of what may have been major, you know, whatever situation on ground since 2015. But what was Jade Helm? And what was the question I asked last time? Uh, what was... I forget. Darn it. It was a good question. Oh, yeah. Who are the crypto Saturnalians? I'll be right back. BRB. Lambo to the moon. You know, basically, I would say that the history of my blathering, whoever you are, whatever you think I'm doing, the history of my blathering typically is related to my enduring disappointment that 9-11 was a fraud and the enduring realization that all agencies of the United States of America must have either stood down or been controlled from the top and managed by individuals apparently not loyal to the land or populace of what we call America, North America, specifically between the boundaries of Mexico and Canada. Either there was an absolute stand down from Air Force or whatever, or whatever. It was NATO, Gladio, whatever. Or it was Israelis to the back end of promise to put false blips on signals, according to Michael Rupert, now deceased, crossing the Rubicon, Indira Singh. Read Crossing the Rubicon for the reference by Michael Rupert. Whether or not all that's true, which I think it probably is, although I've been wondering recently if I could review whether or not there's first-hand testimony or witness testimony to false blips on screens, FAA, NORAD. It was like for a long time it seemed like a breakaway faction or whatever, or a, I was going to say a Team B. Yeah, basically a Team B, Rumsfeld, history, back to, what's his name, Gerald Ford, Cheney. Rumsfeld, October Massacre, Plan B, bluffing up more threat than was empirically observable from the Soviets as a as an option then to increase spending. Uh, that whole legacy of that term, that team, and those participants, some cognizant perhaps, and some appearing and pretending not to be cognizant, like Rumsfeld saying, WTC7? I've never heard of that. Well, maybe he never heard of it. Maybe he didn't actually know what was being referred to, or maybe he and Dick Cheney actually spoke to the foreign advisory unit of Solomon Smith Barney six months before WTC7 was blown up with controlled demolition. Oi, and that, I don't like saying oi, but that does remind me of why I was so afraid to open the door at the hotel I was working at in the middle of the night in the Tenderloin, circa whatever year, 2011, because that was a long time ago, but I had investigated those digital representations of documents. They were accessible through Google searches. Foreign Advisory Board of Solomon Smith Barney Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld spoke Foreign Advisory Committee of Solomon Smith Barney in World Trade Center Building 7 nearly or almost exactly six months exactly to the day before September 11th, 2001. Therefore, it would have been March approximately sometime within the year of 2001. Meetings referred to by digital Reference. Not widely presented, by the way. How old was I then? 32? 2011, I was uh, seven years ago. 30, I don't know, four? 34. Yeah, and I was afraid to open the door. Oh, so in fact, 2011, that was exactly about the same time that James Holmes was framed at Aurora. And with this weird ass thing, I don't even need to attest to the consensus that something is strange about Aurora. But what is it? Is it DARPA? Is it MKUltra? What was it? Does it matter? I mean, when it's Straussian, DARPA, 
I was just reviewing the data recently, data of corporate media referring then to fact that I may not be able to ever have time to investigate exactly, that James Holmes had a health grant, I think it was the Institute of National Health or some acronym, not FDA, but National Health Institute maybe, and that he was in a PhD program, one of six students in, I think, America, subsidized with a grant to study what? Neuroscience? By the way, his dad was in DARPA. I think this is all widely known to many. There's essays out there. It's not like a question of did some agency do this? And I guess then what I'm disc discarding is the precise uh, declaration then of which agency did that. You know, this is just a recollection then of the effects upon my own psychology. And then the memories and stuff. I was afraid to open the door at the hotel I worked at. And when this drunk man was brought up by like three or four muscular individuals, one of whom looked very sinister to me. It was all about the timing. And I don't know if Aurora just happened or if I'd seen those documents or I was publishing good news at the time. But I was working on my laptop, you know, late night, midnight shift at the hotel in the Tenderloin. Tenderloin, And I was just drinking a lot of coffee, smoking a lot of cigarettes. I was ostensibly sober. Definitely not drinking or smoking any marijuana or anything, but... Shortly thereafter, I had a mental breakdown. But it was it was all this trauma. and Not trauma, because I don't want to misuse the word. It was just fear. I was terrified that reporting the truth was going to lead to them coming to kill me. And then when, when Aurora happened, and you see this fucking fool all drugged up, and his hair's dyed, and then there's a photograph of him with a prostitute. She's smiling with this evil, sinister face, and he's all conked out and cooked out. He's obviously a Manchurian candidate or patsied up with some kind of drugs. I mean, it was just like the fix is in and this is freaky. And that was like, what, opening weekend of the Dark Knight? And, you know, then afterwards, I guess that was the second one. The first one was with Heath Ledger. And his riddle at the end, which is like a utilitarian riddle with the civilians on one boat and then the, the um, criminals on the other. And I, I don't want to give you a spoiler. I don't think I'm spoiling anybody's enjoyment of watching that movie if they haven't seen it. But spoiler warning. I remember, I think I remember that it was like the criminals were the good guys. Yay, the criminals with the heart of gold. But, uh, and the civilians were seen to be like the most nasty ones, but it was all a ruse, I think, by the Joker character to show like, I don't remember exactly how it went. Yet, that was kind of like a utilitarian riddle. Utilitarianism being a philosophy, ostensibly seeking favorable outcome for the most, with various willingness to do damage to some may relate to the economy of violence question related to Straussian thought. I mean, it's understandable logically that so many, I'm sure, philosophy students and even just people with common sense, when the questions are asked abstractly. But in reality, abstract fictional, fictional characterizations of specific outcome and riddle, utilitarian riddle, then are actually not authentic. They are abstract. So I think that's one of the things, I don't think it's the main thing that bugs me about utilitarian ethics is that, but one of the things about it is if you're in a philosophy class and you're reading these utilitarian riddles and being forced or asked to contemplate outcome and preference the logic of all that, it's just hypothetical. It's abstract. It's not real. It may or may not prepare you for a time to do hostage negotiation or whatever 
But I don't think Life is a Batman movie, dude. I really don't. And I don't think that Life is a Die Hard movie either. I think that those constant fictional scenarios of terrorism and whatnot may be used to trap and get certain cops to think certain ways, hypothetically. And maybe all scenarios may be used. I mean, reference L. Paul Bremer. You're a terrorism expert? Counterterrorism, I would hope. I mean, that could have been a line right out of Die Hard. And it may have been scripted by the same... I saw the writer of Die Hard, actually, in person down there at WGA. I don't think he necessarily wrote that line, but it was like the line of the Joker or something. She's like, and I'm just now meeting you, Al Paul Brummer. You're a terrorism expert? Counterterrorism, I'd hope. It was like it was scripted because he just like had that joke so handily available during a moment where everyone else is apparently traumatized by the fact that an airplane plane flew right into his corporative offices and allegedly, ostensibly, there's that other video of him, the guy saying, and it sounds like you just lost hundreds of employees. He doesn't even blink. He doesn't even cry. Yes. What's this first initial? L. Paul Bremer, 30-year managing director of Kissinger and Associates. One world oil price constant. What is OPEC? What is Saudi Aramco? IPO. Who is the Rockefellers? Who went to Saudi Arabia and drilled? Who invested the time and the geological expertise to control the supergiant oil fields of Saudi Arabia? And how does that relate to OPEC and price fixing and sultans and mullahs and whatnot? They craft a one-world oil price in relationship to Henry Kissinger, perhaps. And the one-world oil price, then, is manifested and organized, then, cost-plus, I think, to increase the margins of a controlled economy for the oligarchs that enjoy the luxury of a controlled market. And particularly as well, during the time that I was there, 2011, I believe, I would like to get this guy again to ask if he was sent, the young attorney from University of Chicago, with knowledge of Leo Strauss and Straussian ethos, to what? Mock me, make fun of me, explain to me. He gave me like such a neat personal rationale then for the use of stress in ethics. And I've always felt that these uh, these opinions about ethics and whatnot may be used as a rationale to excuse crime. I mean, after all, like, what is a rationale that is used to excuse crime? It's a motive. No, 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 excuse me, it's a... It is a... I had that wrong, I'm sorry. It's a means to subjectively control one's own psychology while committing a crime. That's what a rationale is. I may have misspoken there, but maybe investigating then the use of uh, rationale to defend one's gangster motives, and not overusing the phrase gangster either, because it's just like so celebrated by some sick individuals who think it's so gangster, so gangster, so gangster. I don't even think they are. Related to Louis Lucky's Steakhouse or wherever the blank and blanker hanging out with some criminals. But how big is the criminal network and which criminal network? I couldn't even help but notice, and I don't like talking about this because it's horrifying, but Neil Entwistle exploding ink intellectual property as taken over by Carlisle. And then his dead wife and his dead female baby 
this sad state of instance. I forget what his agency was. It was like it wasn't in QTEL, but it was some silly name like that. The Spycraft. Apparently, they had exploding ink, and it was acquired. I think specifically by Carlisle afterwards. What a horrible psyop, or what a horrible frame job. I don't know. Maybe it's all a joke, though. Maybe Neil Entwistle isn't even on trial. Uh, oh, yeah, I noticed that the prosecutors, it sounded like you had recorded evidence of him speaking to his father-in-law. It was quoted that one of them said, that is exactly what he said. But it was taken out of context. Oh, yeah, he said, lay them down together because that's how I found them. Well, what does that prove? Speaking of the vernacular, hella fucking petty, dude. Yeah, the uh, prosecutors that did appear both had really, really gangster Italian names. Like, what's that region? Um, sorry, I can't remember from uh, The Godfather. Where do they all come from? Serpicio. They, they all had names like, no, there's two of them, like Maserato Leo, Maserato Leo. Lazius, Mazaratakilioa. What's that place? The Basque, not the Basque country, but the of uh, Italy. I I know it's a common reference. I just can't recall right now. I do not recall. I don't know. I don't recall. I do not recall for lack of awareness of the name in my mind constantly, unless I occult it or hide it from myself willfully or unconsciously without my own awareness of my own inability to recall the name of then the old country what was it I'm now I'm like really really curious hmm lads low in the country of the Italian Mafio. From the country of the Basque Country. Single shot rifle. Blow up your car. Blow up your virginal wifey Long-standing feudals. Italian mafiosos. Specific, particular region I cannot remember you. Yeah, so the prosecutors against Neil Antwistle, one, two, had these very long, multi-syllabolic Italian names, and I was like, wow. So, what is that? Is that Italian worldwide mafia against particular British intelligent agent for Carlisle? Probably. Yeah, probably. That makes sense. And then it goes back to, not like I'm trying to break stories here. It's just like, this is all availing, typical. There's already been essays about this and whatnot. And then some. And then there's like... Uh, Oh, yeah, and then there's Leo Zagami. God, that's some dank fucking... What do you call it? A purple fucking... Uh, spliff. What do you call it when you roll up a cigar? I can't even remember anymore. They still call that a spliff? In a cigar? It smells like grape. I did actually wish to cast Leo Zagami, literally like playing himself in the movie A-B-G-H-O-M, Abgam, 
And what does this stand for? Added in post with people cheering. That's right. So his P2P Masonic gun running enterprise in Monte Carlo may have been, you know, some hoax or may have been actually real. I mean, why wouldn't it be? P2P, what is that? Peer-to-peer? Masonic gun running Monte Carlo. All attested to in publicly available videos for truthers to witness. He kind of presented himself as somebody who kind of like dropped out of this Masonic Lodge, but I kind of, I don't know, maybe he was recruiting. It seems like once in a while he pops out at, what would you call him, like a charlatan? You might call him. Uh, I don't know. I just think, you know, he kind of came into the 9-11 Truth Movement. And there was that one video series called Project Camelot with the little funny cougar in the beginning. My ex-girlfriend and I, who may have been a spy, used to just uh, laugh. I would laugh because I thought it was so funny. It was like a boomer. I don't use the term boomer very much because, like, I'm kind of Generation X. But it was, like, such a boomer intro. But I think the man was an Australian. The woman was, like, kind of a an American. And I found it to be Project Camelot to be, like, this kind of funny, silly, weird thing. But I can't necessarily rule out whether or not some of that was true. Regardless, though, I thought that it would be funny if... Not just funny. It would actually be efficient for Leo Zagami to play himself in the mercenary role of... Here it comes, here it comes. Amazon bitch is getting high on meth. Because it would just be funny. And besides, I mean, Leo Zagami is photogenic... You wouldn't have to impersonate himself. I mean, you wouldn't have to get an actor. Just get the guy to say his lines. Oh, the thing is, is like just recently I announced that Louis, Louis Linton will be starring in ABGHOM to be directed by Steven Mnuchin, her husband. She appears to be Scottish. And she, she's good. She's photogenic. I do not lust after her currently. And I wouldn't publicly lust after a man's wife ever. But as a casting agent and as a producer to observe the uh, attributes of a female or a male and related to desirability and perceptions of the audience perhaps then is just one passing skill of mine that I may refer to without any kind of intention to piss anybody off. I mean, besides, she's already in motion pictures. So is it like, um, is it true? Is the rumor true that Louis Linton will be starring in Amazon Bitches Getting High in Meth as the madam? And I think that, uh, it may be a, a bunk rumor, actually. But it was kind of a titillating possibility. <sighs> I don't know. It almost seems like Amazon bitches getting high on meth is being produced after all. I'm not quite sure. I think that Ralph Anotherberg might be in charge of all the negotiations, but he's uh, hard to find. And I'm not even sure if that's his real name. I think it's just another uh, pseudonym of Teddy, Teddy Burton. Teddy Burton acts acronym TBA. I think the guy's really offshore. He's like way more offshore than most offshore enterprises. I think there was some joke about that he said once. He's so offshore, it's almost like, you know, those uh, disappearing islands? 
that's how offshore he is. He's like on the island legally, and then it's like underwater. But also the books, like in the black figuratively and whatnot. I don't even know if all residuals and whatnot can be attested to numerically or through which jurisdiction, but it's kind of like at that point it's ad infinitum numerical denominator one divided by 10,000 relationship back to cast and crew. It's residuals that are inconsequential except in the imagination of some hucksters requesting investment for the smoke and mirrors <laughs> smoke and mirrors operation that sort of presents this front LLC masked by LLC masked by LLC. Yeah. So Ralph and I'm not even sure if he's really the same guy as Teddy Burton, but it might be a pseudonym. It might not be. And he may play himself as well. He's like the, uh, international Jew reptilian. He runs a boat and he has Ebola strains going to Africa for the race war. I mean, for uh, natural selection. That is cognizant natural selection then of preferable race. And then, you know, like in semi-trucking, when coming back, you have an empty... It's called deadheading. Well, on his way back, he brings the models from the Amazon anorexics and others, uh, mulatto, black and white for cost reduction of previous Victoria's Secret Condé Nast tax write-off smudging collagen and Botox into the faces of participants in this disgusting clown routine called Instagram. All these Instagram models are like Smudge, 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 make my face famous, make my face famous, smudge, smudge. I've got pig fat on my face. Some of it's red, some of it's pink, some of it's rouge. And that's all Ralph Anotherberg's dead weight, I mean, um, commodity, human capital on its way back from the Amazon after dropping off the Ebola supplies. So in the cargo ship where there was Ebola virus, uh, there's a meth cooker to be played by Cannibal, ex-nickname of talent, if he still lives. I asked him if he wanted to get into acting. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, that's something I might want to do a little more of. And so his character, and then the Johnny mercenary character, who could be Leo Zagami, or could be minor character or major character. I wrote it, I typed it, I verbalized, I made up this story for this other actor I know named Johnny. Cannibal could get Johnny, I think. Uh, but time passed, and, you know, casting and what they say, writing for an actor or storytelling or scripting for an actor in particular, he kind of becomes a character type that could pretty easily be fulfilled by others. Oh, and then I had the B-movie hero character who was like, uh, I actually found this guy on Instagram. I wish that I still had him because he was kind of like perfect. I used to attempt to negotiate with him, but with no pay, I mean, back-end residual split is really an inconsequential motivator for some, I think. I don't think it's actually the worst deal. But since I found no individuals with completely long-term outlook for future fiscal revenue operations, which I can verbally agree to and remain silent about any disputes there, for I would gift all revenue, profit that had been agreed to, to specifics mathematically, if finances and whatnot ran through wallets or accounts that I controlled, I would hold to whatever I would have given him, 3%. Because, I mean, call it a point, right? 
a lot of them talk about three points on the back end and stuff. That was the old producer thing, or some of it. For lead talent, I'd give you two or three percent, maybe more. And then for divisional chief of like particular aspect of production, like casting, if it was Biali, Sharon Biali, or her, maybe her associate ampersand, Alapaca snack for later. Whoever that girl works for, she keeps showing up in my life when I'm trying to cast. And I know her, but she doesn't seem to work for me. I don't get it. It's pretty weird, though. But CSA, Sharon Bialy, or others casting, you could take 10%. And, I mean, I don't really know how to divide for production, but direction takes 10%. Um, full crew takes 30%. But they've got to actually make the thing happen. Location and sets and cameras, something like that. I would say I take 10% just to give me something to continue to uh, go into the future with if there is fiscal revenue or return. And so that adds up, I don't know, 60 to 70%. And we keep the rest uh, open for like investors mathematically to achieve return on intellectual property as owned discreetly by whichever enterprise we legally manifested at the moment, or under the particular troop doing business as DBA, NFCFACTS currently. And again, stated verbal record, or verbal declaration on record than recorded audio, my intention is not to defraud any investors, cast, or crew that work in tandem. Although, stated on record as well, Mathematical revenue, profit, and actual income, numerically referred to and whatnot, will be a, an actual, you know, holding. And math is not going to magically make money out of thin air. Except if financiers and investors are utilizing fractional reserve lending or... I don't know, certain found assets that have been siphoned out of the treasury. And I wouldn't know what that would be like because I wouldn't even want to know, but where does money come from? So unless they're using math tricks, math tricks related to macro, financial, or other forms of uh, whatever, you know, I might want to have agreements with investors too, which are nobody dies on opening night and no drug dealing and no human trafficking related to cast and crew in any set that I'm related to legally, physically, emotionally or otherwise that's just some fair I would say ground rules and if you don't like that which is like most producers that have come towards me or spoken in my vicinity related to me or not related to me then please go the fuck away. Because, like, I've gotten so many drug dealers speaking in front of me. It's like I'm at a TED Talk, and I'm sitting there. I didn't even know I was getting pitched, but they found me, or it's just the terrain. Oh, we want to launder uh, cocaine revenue through our low-budget motion pictures, or we'll use tax fraud to amplify your ability to pay cast and crew. And, by the way, I know a bunch of meth hookers. That's why I had to cease production before. I was like, that may or may not work, but I don't want illegal means or illicit activity or dangerous activity to be used while the production of this motion picture is seen as a smokescreen or a cover or even like a, a side hustle for all these fucking crooks, dude. I don't want to fucking have drugs running through my fucking show business, I don't want to have tax fraud, I don't want to have hookers and blow, dude, but I realized somewhere along the way, I'm like, Abgom, it kind of invites that mentality, <sighs> so risk mitigation remains in place where remote declaration then of intentions and general declaration then of fiscal scenario is attended to currently by the executive producer.
who has certain expectations. Another maxim or credo is typically safe and legal. I mean, some of this seems like it would just be common sense. But I'm not working in written contracts with guilds currently or with standard risk procedure in place. Although, if you are a risk captain, female or male, capable of negotiating all this and you wish to come step in and kind of be manager of all this risk, compliance, etc. And as well as negotiation if it's necessary with guilds, gangs, or uh, whatever. What are those things? You know, you see their little symbols, their little trademarks at the end of every motion picture. If you want to go in and do that, I don't know who you'd call yourself. Uh, risk captain is what I'd call you. That's hard to say, though. But I had an agency for you, too. It's called Red Asterisk MGMT. I don't know. Maybe it was, like, naive or something, but I thought that if I just made up all these agencies, just like at the, that I see at the end of every fictional show that I witness, like so-and-so production company, particular shows a bullwhip and a star, and it seems like a cup of espresso at the end of secession, and then others, sit, ubu, sit, woof, I figured if I could just make those up, everything else could follow, maybe, it is like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, or the cart before the horse, but, I don't know, I mean, how do you produce motion pictures, so executively, I produce then, with my mind, and I give rough categorizations of division between 100% of all revenue, controlled by yours truly. If, though, on the other hand, you become accountant and you manage all fiscal, then it runs through you, and that's that becomes your job. I might even take 1% of the 10% I originally allotted to myself to help manage the... Uh, fiscal return by employing specialized human beings. I would also like to say, though, and um, I'm going to probably keep it on the same recording, but I learned a lot when I was in West Hollywood. I was calling upon this one guy who you know, financed a picture. He said he recouped his investment over the course of time in foreign markets. But he's about one character. And then there's another guy who said he was a gambler and he lost a lot of money and now he's a banker again. And he wears size nine shoes. He gave me a whole bunch of them, but they didn't fit my feet. His name was Brian. The other guy's name was Jamie. And then there's another guy. He's a tall dude. He's camped out and stoned all the time from fucking Glendale or something like that. He was like a permafried stoner, but he was like 60 years old. But he was funny, and he was always trying to get a cigarette and some marijuana and stuff. But he said he used to work in either Burbank or Universal City or something for, I don't know which agency, I'm guessing like Century Fox or whatever. And he said that he was recruiting people, probably cold calling Americans around the country. Definitely, probably in some little, what do you call it, like boiler room with like a plastic phone and like one of those curly cords. I'm sure. Maybe some half-broken office furniture, I'm just guessing. But he said that he would recruit investors and asked him a little bit about it. And his characterization was that it was a lot of smoke and mirrors about returns. So a lot of vagina, a lot of smoke and mirrors. I don't want to be that kind of guy. I don't want to be like, a, oh, fiscal return is bound to be. The outlook is bright. Clearly. Let's be clear. The outlook is bright. Now, the, the outlook is absolutely fucking not bright at all. Like, I don't even know where return of investment in motion picture is currently, except, as I've learned to declare then, the potential, that's why it's called NFCF, Related to selling to Netflix or Amazon or what's another one? Hulu? I don't like Hulu. But if they if they put cash in a suitcase and there's no fucking, you know, cocaine and paint bombs in the shit or GPS tracking and they want to buy the fucking intellectual property, I mean, sure. 
But I wouldn't really necessarily want to negotiate that. I don't know. I don't even mind if I challenge Hulu Plus, whatever the fuck they are. Who cares? Whoever puts fucking $100 bills in a suitcase to buy the fucking product in sight unseen with verbal agreement from Silent Partner then. Silent Partner's willingness to complete operation can buy... You could even buy this picture. I'd say $100,000 right now, USD. Mm, 20s are $100 bills. Make sure they're real. And not only that, but I will not deliver if the money's not real. So, I mean, it's going to go into some nice bank accounts and be standardly represented in tax then. But there's no guile. There's no uh, surreptitious presentation of ephemeral motion picture production then that is designed to outwit U.S. authorities or IRS or SEC or anybody. No. If you want to buy this motion picture, it's a very clear offer. $100,000 in cash in a suitcase that can be transported and once it's in the bank accounts, in fact, by your agents, not mine. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is, you might as well just put it in my bank account. I don't really have a number right now, but once I get one. Oh, or equivalent BTC to my address. It's got to be there, and I've got to be able to put it in my own accounts. That's a fine way of doing business as well. So, doing business as NFCF, ACTS, likely position of sale. I mean, I don't know if it's likely or not. And by the way, I'm not going to be flying around the fucking world to con to try to sell to some fucking millennial who works for Ted Sarandos or Reed Hastings. I'm not going to chase you and spend all my fucking money trying to get you... He's like, oh, come into my Chablis chalet. I happen to be hiding in Montenegro. Oh, only private jets allow you to come access this fine and rare position where we shall be sampling the high notes of this wine. Come dine. We will be meeting under the pale moonlight in the enchanted forest at this particular Ren Fair. And if you if you do come across me, I may or may not decide to abnegate my willingness to deny your opportunity to maybe screen at some other festival in Toronto and then come chase us here. Spend all your money. Spend all your money. Spend all your money. And maybe, maybe, maybe you'll buy my work. Uh-uh. No. If you want to go do that, go ahead. I've already been there, seen that, done that. Didn't see that. Didn't get paid. No, I never went to con, but I saw some people who were conned after they got back from con. Con. Can. Con. Yeah, they were conned. They got back from con, and I don't think they were richer, and I don't think they're going back. And uh, I also had a family friend. She premiered on Wilshire. She premiered to a vacant theater, much like the vacant theaters I used to observe in the historic, the historically empty auditoriums corralled by silver and landmark. It's a cost plus high margin opportunity for mcuban at gmail.com to continue to take money from producers who rent auditorium ostensibly then for the opportunity to maybe next time, maybe next time get A-listers to make money in motion picture presentation. I don't know what it is. I think you know. I think that's why you're listening. So I don't need too many Jodith Rosenbergs on the front end or the back end of collecting money from me. No thanks. And Sharon Bailey gets 10% of residuals or her type after sales. And that's why I think Ampersand Alapaca Snack for Later never fucking wants to talk to me. It's because she knows that I'm not going to fucking submit to the guild. I'm not going to sign up for SAG, SAG SNAFTRA. Or WGA or DGA, W big dick in your butthole, fuck. Free book giveaway. 
Did you ever notice that DGA looks like a, a bunker for World War III? It looks like a sniper's outpost. It looks like it's protected against truck bombs. And why? Why Polanski? Why is Polanski so revered? And who faked the Holocaust? <sighs> Polish, African Nazi, Jewish communists, loyal to whom? For which reparations fraud against which sovereign Euro district? Austria, Switzerland, Polish suing. Holocaust rep restitution now the Holocaust was against them. All the rhetoric of the Holocaust suppliers then will start to be used against them. The Polish are suing the Ashkenazis for the democide against participants in the Soviet terrain. Or what else is new with Holocaust reparations fraud K2? Natasha Leone, Jeremy Kroll, Nick Kroll, laundering money through Netflix, NFCF back end, and what is smoke and mirrors, but a figurative declaration then. Fuck you, pay me. FYPM. FYPM. Sung to the tune of PYT. Michael Jackson Estate. FYPM. FYPM. Doesn't matter. I'm going to be searching Prince Piano Rehearsals 1984 from the vault. I feel like there was another person out there who a lot of Jews have taught me stuff along the way. They've come up to me and said stuff like, well, the first thing to do is take all of your feature offline. Everything referred to with your name, secure it or take it offline completely and stop giving it away for free. And then I feel like another lesson along those lines or in that in that category of mastery of show business and how to achieve fiscal return. Maybe another Jew suggested to me that the actual preview related to the commercialized feature is the actual operation best used to achieve fiscal return. Do you agree or disagree? Preview related to secured feature. Maybe everything's different now because all feature can be replicated, copied, distributed, but initial sale of exclusive feature cannot be cop copied, pirated, un until it's actually been gotten at by one replicator pirate. That first file must be gotten at. And if it's secured until then, it's still secured feature. Also, uh, secured feature, or, yeah, then related to commission. For feature is secured until it is actually commissioned. That's why money up front, like Benioff and the other guy, sorry, don't know you guys' names, but Game of Thrones went from HBO to Netflix. I would say two weird gangsters, but no, I'm sick of making fun of Scott Galloway's use of the word gangster, which he overuses all the time. Gangsta. Gangsta, you saucy minx, Kara. Gangsta. Being paid not to produce coal. Gangsta. Saucy minx. Stern marketing school of ripping off rich kids. Scott Galloway. Cheating the top of the algorithm at Tedium, Medium, and Beyond Meat IPO. Skyrocketing, skyrocketing pump and dump. Super high green candlestick towards stratosphere crash. I don't know who got in and out on that thing, but like Beyond Meat is like the coolest thing since FYPM, I mean LYFT, Horowitz, Ben Horowitz, Redcoat, associated with Long Tall Texan to destroy the human capital related to Travis Kalanick, Mother Bonnie Horowitz, coincidentally or not, same Horowitz killed by other Horowitz. Or not. Maybe their boat wasn't blown up or automatically controlled by Google, Waco, automatic driving, whatever dispute between sentient AI, automotion, 
on boats or just other form of explosive that drove their boat into a rock and caused his dad to break his ribs and his mom to die. That might not have been, what do you call it, hostile takeover, but in the middle of all that psyop, overseen by Kara Swisher and I think witnessed by Ben Horowitz, principal investor of LYFT, hostile bids and corporate ousting of CEO Travis Kalanick, coincidentally then, with all of those dirty tricks, coincidentally, his mother died, ostensibly. Unless she was exported to Argentina or Chile and lives out her happy later years after a major PSYOP was done. What is smoke and mirrors? Might I use that as a name for, I don't know, investor relations of NFCFACTS, smoke and mirrors, comma, LLC, or smoke and mirrors, comma, DBA, doing business as, why not?